Welcome to Ontario County History and Culture. I'm Ethan Fogg, Executive Director of the Canandaigua Chamber of Commerce. This podcast is sponsored by the Cheshire Community Action Team, the Ontario County Arts Council, and Ontario County Historical Society. We're recording at Finger Lakes Television Podcast Studio on the campus of Finger Lakes Community College. With me today is former Mayor Ellen Palmini. Welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Ethan. If we may, I'd like to start with how many years were you mayor of this city? That's pretty amazing. Well, I was mayor for 28 years, and then prior to that, I was on the council for eight years, and prior to that, I was on the planning commission for six and a half years. So I've really been involved with the uh, city government for quite a while. Did I hear correctly you're perhaps the longest-seated or one of the longest-seated small city mayors in the state of New York? That is correct, according to the New York State Conference of Mayors. That's impressive, and that's our good fortune. Thank you for all of what you've done for the course of your um, public service with us. I'm curious, what first motivated you for public service? Well, it was at a time that uh, New York State and, in general, the uh, United States was going through something called urban renewal. It was a project that was uh, promoted from Washington, and it trickled down to the states. And the idea was that you would go into communities and you would renew them by uh, taking down their historic buildings uh, and bringing in renewal. There were several communities in upstate New York that were very involved in trying that. I was with a group who said, no, we want to keep our historic buildings here in Canandaigua. And so I got involved with that group, and um, we mounted an effort, and we were successful. Uh, We were very pleased with that uh, because I think that has given us a sense of place here in Canandaigua. It sort of brands us as being historic and a place that, uh, that really supports preservation. I would agree. I think it's our good fortune as a community that folks like you were instrumental at that time when difficult decisions were being made. There was a lot of financial incentives for communities to make decisions of that kind. There certainly were. And for us to kind of wait through that, I suppose, to, to find ways to get through without being part of that, that these many years later, we're seeing that historic cultural elements in communities are tourist attractions. They are residential attractions. They're part of how and why people choose where they spend their time. And I I think that's especially true in Canandaigua and Ontario County. And I often talk with um, mayors in other cities that have had the urban renewal, and, you know, they cite the fact that they haven't been able to rebound after that renewal. It just, they sort of lost their sense of place when that happened. Yes, it's, it's interesting to look around us today that we are seeing a a different form of renewal, but in several places right now, whether it be on the water or the Fort Hill Performing Arts Center or the Lisk property. I don't want to take away your half <laughs> of the conversation, but I'm, I'm taken by the fact that it, we're literally surrounded by good news in the conservative reinvestment space. You know, uh, You spoke of the Fort Hill Performing Arts Center. Of course, that opened last week, and I happened to be involved with that. I'm on the board, and they asked me to speak uh, at the opening, and I cited exactly what you're saying. I, I said it was really a balance between preservation and renewal. 
and that we were staying true to our value in historic preservation. But at the same time, we have a brand new uh, mid-sized venue for the th uh, theater arts, uh, for the visual arts, too, because there's a wonderful gallery there. So um, we're trying to do that to this day, which I think is a credit to Canandaigua. And it's a really nice demonstration that one can have modern amenities, services, technologies wrapped in a shell that tells stories to so many people, many of whom were born and raised here, went to school in that particular property. I don't know how many residents might have ever worked at the GW Lisk property, or we certainly have quite a few folks around who are experiencing the changes on the waterfront with the hotel developments, that our future looks bright, but it looks familiar. That is so true. And you, you speak of the Lisk. Uh, what's very interesting is that um, when I came to Canandaigua, uh, my father-in-law at the time had actually worked at the LISC. But prior to that, he had actually worked for Mrs. Thompson at Sonnenberg. It, it just seemed to be uh, the venue that people would follow. They'd come, they'd begin, and many of them did begin with Mrs. Thompson, and especially uh, the Italian uh, immigrants, and then uh, moved to the LISC, and then eventually my father-in-law actually ended up uh, forming his own business. But um, I think uh, we have a rich history of that sort of lineage and uh, all dealing with preservation. Well, and it's interesting also that you should mention the um, the ethnic influence, the Italian migration. I'm from Seneca Falls, and we saw that also. Um, but actually to literally walk down Main Street today and see the cultural richness in our restaurant and entertainment scene, you know, that really rivals large cities all over upstate. We are very fortunate. Uh, I, uh, when speaking with other um, leaders in other communities, would always say we have a venue of uh, restaurants available. Uh, we have Indian restaurant. We have a Thai restaurant, which is excellent. We have the Rio Tomatlan, which is a wonderful restaurant. We have the El Posto and Casa de Pasta. Uh, so uh, we have a wonderful German restaurant. So we really have, you know, quite an array in terms of, uh, of ethnic venues. Yes. And I'm not going to put you on a hot seat and ask you which one might be your favorite. <laughs> okay. but, uh, but I am going to ask, because you've spent so much of your life here, not only as a, forgive the term, public servant, but also as just raised a family here, you've worked here, public school, if I'm not mistaken, that I'm going to ask if maybe you have a favorite story about life in Canandaigua that you share with people that have not had the chance to encounter our community before. You know, I've always um, enjoyed putting together efforts um, or projects, and uh I can't pick one in particular, but what I will tell you is that I was always very successful in getting people to come forth and put their efforts into projects. And that's what I love about Canandaigua. Uh, if you want to work on restoring um, an auditorium into a nice theater, you get people who are interested in working on that, and it gets done. That's the most recent. My favorite, I guess I would have to say, is the skate park down at Jefferson. I had some young middle schoolers and high schoolers come to me and say, we need a skate park. We don't have a skate park. And I said, well, 
I'm willing to help. Let's see what we can do. And lo and behold, we were able to, uh, with uh, the help of Dale Volker, who was at that time uh, a state senator, uh, he was able to help us. And several residents came forth with sizable donations. And we created the skate park that young people in, in Canandaigua enjoy. And I go down every once in a while just to see what's happening. And lo and behold, I've met people from Naples. I've met people from Wayne County. Uh, and they come over to use it because uh, they feel that it's one of the best small skate parks in the area. But again, it was getting people who were interested in getting something done and then working to make it happen. And we have that energy in Canandaigua. So. I agree. One of the things I really enjoy about my job is our awards programs, the opportunities we have several occasions a year to really... It's almost impossible to ever hold one amazing person a little higher than another. And that's why we call them honorees, not winners. Um, but that does make me think of the the caliber of people. Often when I meet people professionally that are considering Canandaigua as their next step, as either where to move their career, perhaps where to retire or where to move a business, they really start asking about what are the people like here? What are the values that are infused in the Canandaigua culture? And I think that's what we're talking about here is that not only is the culture of culture, so to speak, arts and culture, um, quality of life is central to conversations in public and private sector here. And that preservation and being mindful of our past does not handicap us. If anything else, it empowers us in the decisions we have to make um, around moving forward in a, in a thoughtful and purposeful way, because not all development is created equal. There are temptations at every turn, and I'm sure you have more experience with that. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit on well, that. Well, you know, I, uh, let's go back to the millennium. Okay. Um, the time of the millennium, I said, I, Canandaigua needs more public art. So I made a vow that uh, I would try to see that something is done every decade. A piece of public art that's sizable would be completed every decade of the millennium. One of the projects was the wonderful statue that sits down at the corner of uh, 5 and 20 and 332, uh, the Native American statue. Again, a group of people came together and really worked very hard to make that happen. Uh, then, of course, Thompson Hospital came through and helped a great deal with the Thompson statue up at 120 North Main. We have the large mural uh, at the corner of uh, Coach Street and across from the Commons Park uh, that is on the Crown Jeweler Building. Um, and again, these are major art projects, I think, uh, that really sort of add to the city. I'm working right now. Uh, we're getting started anyway on the idea of another large project that we'll be uh, trying to work on. And I'm working with the Arts Council and Judy Cermak in regard to that. The whole idea of the arts and what they bring to a community. And again, it's not just the visual arts. It's also the uh, theatrical arts. And now that we have the um, theater, that's going to be very helpful. Uh, but again, it's the people who come forth and say, yes, I want to be a part of helping do that. Um, it really is gratifying, I think. Another project <laughs> is the West Avenue Cemetery. A few years back, we did the Pioneer Cemetery, and that was done by uh, Byron Delavan in the lead, 
And then again, several people coming forth, putting forth dollars so that we could renovate that uh, cemetery and put a nice fence around it. So now across the street is the West Avenue Cemetery. And so we're getting started with that effort. Uh, And again, anyone who is listening to this podcast who would be interested can certainly contact us in regard to that uh, because we'd like to do the same with that area. I'm taken by the, the undercurrent here of philanthropy and volunteerism. I have those conversations in a lot of rooms that not only are we home and have been for generations to quite a few very successful privately held and sometimes publicly traded businesses, and also of just people who have chosen Canandaigua to be their home, and as their lives became more successful, more influential, more gainful, that they're not shy of reinvesting in the Canandaigua that they call home, in part because of the trust that has been established and maintained by our public government, by our uh, cadre of engaged volunteers. Um, I think part of what makes this place attractive for new businesses, we have virtually 100% occupancy in our downtown core. We are attractive Uh, almost magnetically attractive. I have to believe at least a majority of that has to do with the humanity of Canandaigua. It does. And again, I think it has to do, I love this idea of sense of place. Uh, The people who live here really see Canandaigua as a place that they want to be. They choose to come here. Uh, They stay here. They become involved here. A few years ago, we got started with the uh, Light Hill a comfort care home that we established in the community because we didn't have one. And um, again, people come forth, they volunteer their, their time, but also the dollars that are needed to establish things like this. We're very fortunate because there are many communities that don't have that sense of place. When I was mayor, I would um, get calls or get visits or see people at various conferences, and they'd always have questions like that. How do you do that? How do you do that in Canandaigua? And, you know, I said, it's, it's, it's the people in Canandaigua that do it. It's that sense of community. Yes. No one of us does right. that. No one person does it at right. all. Right. Mm. I sense that when we walk downtown, we have arguably one of the most beautiful well-managed downtowns. I was just in a conversation this morning with uh, John Goodwin, city manager, uh, talking about the the competing priorities that are always existent, um, modernization and um, managing the classics, so to speak, uh, the new downtown lighting program that actually saves energy, uh, provides a safer environment and reflects the aesthetic that we're trying to achieve in this historic downtown. And uh, maybe you have some other examples of managing those complex competing priorities and having really shining successes. Well, and I think that, you know, we're still in the process along the lakefront. And perhaps we'll be forever. And Well, it <laughs> takes, and that's the other thing that people don't realize that, that these things take time. They're not things that are done in a, a short amount of time. For instance, with the theater, uh, that was a four-year project. That's pretty short, actually. Yes. I um, meant no disrespect by no, forever. What I'm no. thinking of is at the Chamber, we have some tourism collateral materials from the 1920s. I'm sure. Th- th- yeah, I'm sure. that literally for several generations in a row, we've been trying to figure out how to welcome more people, conserve our cultural and natural assets. And I think for... For time immemorial, um, if we're fortunate, 
our leaders will be mindful of those competing priorities. Well, and I, I think another part is that um, sometimes there's one thing that takes place that really calls your attention as a community. And I remember, as far as the lakefront was concerned, I think it was Harrison Salisbury, who was a, a noted writer who came through Canandaigua and, and felt that the lakefront was not being used as it might. And then, of course, that led to uh, the uh, establishment of Kershaw and the renovation of Kershaw. And then, of course, that led to trying to do something across the street. And um, so it, it, is, it takes time for things to really mature and to take place. And as you said, I think it's, the lakefront is still trying to get there. <laughs> I think it'll be some time before that all happens. But um, again, people have to remain focused on the fact that it can change, it can yes. renew, yes. it can be better. Yes. Um, if anything else, the lake is a moving object, <laughs> quite literally. Right. Um, you know, the influences of Mother Nature and, you know. Um, well, and right now, I, 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 all of our concerns about the lake itself and uh, making sure that we keep it a healthy lake uh, because of its importance to the area, I think it's something that we need to all keep in mind. And there are several groups, again, that have formed that are working to do that. The Watershed Association, uh, they do a wonderful job. Uh, and now we have a, a group that actually was formulated as sort of a spinoff of city council in regard to the healthy lawns and keeping the healthy lake with uh, good lawn practices. So again, people are getting involved. And as a result of that, uh, we move forward. There's a lot of indigenous intelligence here. We have a lot of universities and colleges within a reasonable driving distance. Part of what makes me think of that is that that balance between agricultural sustainability and the future of craft food and beverage in the Finger Lakes is not at odds with lake health, truly. Um, I think sometimes when quick and dirty math might be done on a cocktail napkin, mm -hmm. you know, correlations are made that perhaps aren't accurate. I'm confident because I've had some conversations that, um, that people are considering all those things as one issue, that health of the ecosystem in general is really front of mind. And it, it's directly influencing construction and reconstruction projects. It's directly influencing decisions around access to humans, access to powered equipment that, um, it's never too late to make the right decision. And that, and that's so true. And I think as people become more aware, they themselves are making choices in terms of the materials they use or the products they use. They have, have a part in this. They may only have a very small part in terms of their own lawn, but it's still a part and they want to be a part of that larger piece. So. Yes. It so I, I suppose I'll go back and uh, amend a comment I made a moment ago that no one of us really, um, I can't remember exactly how I framed it, but that no one of us drives everything. That's very um, true. But that um, without every one of us, those outcomes are to some degree diminished. I, I think too, I, I've always, people will say something to me about the fact, well, you've been involved for so long and so on. And I always say, I really see it as public service. You know, it's not something that you do for compensation, especially 
and the political arena is not great, as, and that's okay. You don't do it for that. You do it for the idea that you're helping community, that you're, you're giving something back for what you've been able to do. And in my case, I loved education. I was a part of that for a long, long time here in Canandaigua. There was always this feeling that you need to get in there and help and be a part of what's happening. And that's why I, I love Canada. Well, people are willing to do that. Well, and I must say, I'm curious, and I can't be alone in this. You have spent literally a career, a, a career of time, 27 years? Eight. 20, forgive me, 28 <laughs> wow. years? And, but, plus, <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> plus that other eight years. Right, that that right. was the, the Right. So um, your life's changing. Yes, it is. Um, tell, me, tell me what your new area of interest i know that's probably not fair because that's so defined but you're young you're sprightly you've got a lot of energy and certainly so much insight into the canandaigua community and its environment what's next well i i have several I, i've sort of alluded to a few of the projects but uh continue to work on community projects and um you know, the uh, Watershed Association just recently appointed me to their board, which I really am pleased with because uh, as mayor, I was uh, the uh, on the Watershed Council um, because that's elected officials. So they, you know, once I uh, was no longer mayor, they asked if I would like to be on the board. And I just, I've always had a great concern about the lake. Uh, so I'm doing that. And then the Fort Hill Theater and Light Hill. I mean, there's just so many different things. Uh, and new things crop up all the time, you know, uh, things that people want to work on. So um, I just, again, it's that community service, and I'll be out there doing that. Uh, I'm finding now I have more time to read <laughs> uh, things other than, other than uh, minutes. And, yep. <laughs> well, other than minutes and other than, uh, you know, reports on various governmental functions. But um, so I, I'm enjoying doing that. I do a lot of walking. I get comments about that. <laughs> Some people see me walking a lot, but just uh, sort of winding down yet. But enjoying every minute of it. That's kind of an interesting segue when you talk about walking. I am taken in the course of my lifetime to see the, the prevalence um, of walking trails. You know, that in the course of my life, I've seen the movement from a lot of rail-heavy manufacturing in this immediate area, that we have found a way to repurpose a lot of those trails to make them more healthy in their orientation, uh, kinder to the environment, I think anybody would agree. Um, and also in our uh, visitor engagement function at the chamber, we meet a lot of people and many of them, their first question is, where can somebody walk around here? And yes, downtown is lovely, waterfront is lovely, but they're talking six to eight miles at a stretch. You know, where can we go? Uh, to use modern parlance and get our steps in. They want to, you know, use their exercise watch or whatever and uh, see some beautiful things and some story. I think it was well, maybe three years ago or four, um, Blue Zones, which was a, a project that we uh, were really attempting to uh, bring to Canandaigua. As a matter of fact, we held focus groups. Over 600 people showed up at those focus groups. Blue Zones came back and said they'd love to come to Canandaigua. 
Of course, it meant raising some money, and we weren't able to raise quite the amount we needed. But uh, the one thing that they found in their assessment of Canandaigua was the fact that the walkability level was excellent. And, um, of course, some of that attributed to pathways. I remember when that was being formed, Betsy Russell was very involved in that. And she and I ended up in court (laughs) to try and uh, make sure that it was going to happen. Uh, And it did. And I think that it's proven to be a great venue for walking and has actually connected with other walkways, which I think is important. Uh, But to go back to the Blue Zones for a moment, that's not something that we've given up on, meeting with Mary Krause and and Mary Beer at the county level, because we want to continue to try and do something to bring that project, which is a project uh, that's devoted to community health and personal health. And uh, I think it would be wonderful to to uh, have that in place in Canandaigua. So we're not giving up on it quite yet. We're working on it. Well, and what I do know, I was privileged to be in some of the focus groups for yes. Blue Zones. And what I do recall is while it's a, it's a comprehensive program with a lot of dimensions and a lot of expectations for different levels of involvement, citizen involvement, system involvement, if you want to think of it that way, governmental involvement. But part of what I think might be helpful, perhaps, for the listener is there are certain encouraged behaviors that I think all of us could build into our lives even before or until uh, Blue Zones becomes part of our daily culture? Well, just the diet and, the, and food. Um, again, the walkability, keeping engaged and keeping active. Congeniality, in other words, group activities. Volunteerism. And volunteerism is faith. part of that. There's a whole faith component also. It's certainly something that covers every life. And uh, what... The whole essence of it is um, that people live longer and healthier lives when they do adhere to some of these things. And I I can't help seeing the correlation between people living longer, healthier lives and what we've been talking about in certain circumstances about many of our cultural and natural attractions live longer, healthier lives. Our historic properties, Granger, Sonnenberg, the lake and its access parks, things like that, they live longer because in our own way, um, we're, we're using best practice to encourage behaviors, things like that in those same environments, um, empowering them to live longer because there are generations queuing in behind us, not only ones we might be raising here, but new folks that we're meeting all the time because of the businesses that we conduct here, um, even the retirement opportunities. Maybe we could spend a moment talking about that. I know because I've spent most of my life in the Finger Lakes, but I've lived in some other communities that there are often circumstances when people move to Canandaigua later in their lives because of the services and facilities that are available here that quite frankly are not available in other contiguous communities. That's very true. And I've been volunteering (laughs) to check IDs at the wine walks. And I meet people uh, as a result of that. And I'll say, oh, well, what brings you to Canandaigua? Well, we're thinking of moving here. I've gotten that response many times. Many times I've met people who've actually moved here. Again, why are they doing it? Because they've heard it's just such a wonderful place to live. Many of them because they want to be closer to children who are already here and various reasons. But again, uh, it's the people that really make Canandaigua what it is. I'm privileged to count you 
among the short list of the, um, some of the most influential people in Canada's recent history. Uh, this has been a fantastic discussion, Ellen. It's my privilege. I want to thank um, our sponsors and encourage folks to listen in to the rest of our series, uh, made possible in part by those sponsors. And uh, we're going to keep exploring Ontario County history and culture. Thank you. This is Preston Pierce. I'm here with George Heron, co-creator of the Ontario County History and Culture podcast. Ellen Palomini certainly has a wealth of knowledge about our community. Yes, she does. And although she recently stepped aside as mayor, we're certainly fortunate that she, quite frankly, continues to share her experiences and insight with several local organizations, initiatives, and the entire community. We're certainly, certainly benefited by her presence at all times. Next week, our podcast will continue its focus on local government support of history and the arts. Ethan Fogg, Executive Director of the Canandaigua Chamber of Commerce, will interview the managers of the city and the town of Canandaigua. And I'm also looking forward to that. As you know, the greater Canandaigua community is made up of both the city and the town, and the population that we serve is certainly needing of some programs like this. Thanks, George. Thank you to our listeners. From the Finger Lakes television studio at Finger Lakes Community College, we wish you a great day.